This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Literary briefs, which means we're wearing only Just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> um, so I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is JM Paquette. And our guest today is Sarah Carlson. Yay! Okay. <laughs> Hi. Let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking, because I like talking about what I'm drinking um, in our Drinking with Authors mug. That you can win these things. Okay, so I am drinking still um, apple cider with uh, ginger whiskey. It maybe was not, um, maybe it was equal portions, just FYI, because I'm feeling pretty awesome right now. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee in my Drinking with Authors mug, but it is Bananas Foster flavored coffee, so it's fancy coffee. Not really. Fancy. Okay, Sarah, what are you drinking? All right, so I brought the bottle so you could see. This is my <gasps> favorite wine. It's bread and butter, Pinot Noir. Oh. And it's amazing. Oh gosh. Um, so that's what I have. Cheers. I like that you have it in a mason jar. Um, yeah, I okay. <laughs> this is all I own. Oh my gosh. I know. I um I love wine glasses. I think they're beautiful. I will drink in them if I am out. They are so easy to break <laughs> that I just stick with the mason jar. Yes, we're gonna send you drinking with authors because Jen will show they come with a lid. So nice. <laughs> for, for grown adults, we can, yeah, no, it's true. That's why I was like, when I was getting cups, I was like, you know what we need to do is get solo cups. And it's hot or cold. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Anyway. Okay. So literary, okay. Literary briefs, rapid fire questions. The first question for you, what is your favorite book of all time? <gasps> oh my gosh. This isn't going to be very rapid. I'm going to be like, oh, God, I have to pick one. That's okay. You'll ask me, and I forget what question I'm on by, like, question. Oh, okay. I love, okay, I, this is probably, uh, anyway, 1984 by George Orwell. I've always I loved love that. I've read it probably half a dozen times. Um, love that book. My copy is, like, old and tattered and clearly well-loved. What do you love most about that book? Because it's um, actually kind of a scary book if you look at it, like the society oh, it is. where it ends up. Well, I I think as we've talked about already, I love dystopian books, any kind. I like survival stories. I like dystopian. I like looking at how people survive in these like extreme situations. And so um, what I like about that book is um, how he like slowly realizes and um, comes to terms with like his life and that it's not what he wants and then tries to break out of that and ultimately is not successful. But yeah, it is actually a deeply disturbing book, but I think most dystopian books are. No, true, accurate. Okay, what is your least favorite book of all time? Okay, I know I should love it. Pride and Prejudice, I've never <laughs> been able to get through it. Never. <laughs> Erica agrees with you. Yeah, I like the movie. Jane Austen. Oh my love, God. Love the movie. Cannot get through those books. Um, like the descriptions of the things are so detailed. And I'm just, okay, just skip ahead to the dialogue. <laughs> and it's just not my style. And um, 
and I find it um, very difficult to get through. So I have actually never completely read Pride and Prejudice. Well, if you read Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, <laughs> which I have read, you can get through it because there are zombies and they, <laughs> them and they have to fight them. No, I agree. Nobody gives a flying crap about the damn needlepoint. Move on. Yeah, no, that's all she had to talk about. I, I, I can appreciate why other people love it, truly, but I cannot get through it. It's just those, like, super detailed descriptions of things. And honestly, like, even um, is it Tom Clancy's books, it's about different things, but he does the same thing as Jane Austen. Like, he goes into, like, this hyper detail about nuclear fission, you know? Like, it's... Nobody just cares. Not my thing. <laughs> totally. Go Sorry, Tom Clancy. Jack. <laughs> Sorry, Jack Ryan. Love you. Have a rapid fire. <laughs> Are you a paper book reader or an ebook reader? Paper. I will do ebooks when I'm traveling. Um, I have quite a few on my Kindle as well. I have a lot of copies of books that are on my Kindle and paper. Um, if I really like one, I'll just get both. But um, yeah, I prefer paper. So follow up, will you write in a book? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I have. Keep it pretty. No, nonfiction usually. So I won't normally write in my fiction books. I don't, I don't know why there's a clear distinction there, but um, I will, um, I guess not so much write words, but I'll like highlight through um, some of the nonfiction books I really like. Um, so um, there's been a few actually that I might as well make a plug for, right? If that's okay. Um, no, plug, plug away. So if you like nonfiction and you like survival type stories and you're interested in that kind of thing, like there's this um, author, Lawrence Gonzalez, and he's written um, Deep Survival, and it's about like how we how we survive and like the process that the brain grow, goes through and um, why we make decisions we do um, in crisis. Absolutely adore that book. And he wrote a follow-up called Surviving Survival. And I wish I had had that book like the day after I got back from Libya. Like I went through so much like PTSD and like trying to process what happened. To anybody who's gone through anything traumatic, I um, strongly, strongly recommend that book. It helped me so much. No, totally. Absolutely. I don't know if I want to know how I think about things. I think that would terrify me to actually figure out how my brain <laughs> is working because I don't trust my brain. Well, it, honestly, it helped to, to know like the PTSD, like the, the way the brain does it and how like you... The, the way the neurons fire, like it makes that permanent association with things. So like I can know in my brain, like it's fireworks and not a bomb, but I hear it and I like, I want to dive under this table, you know? Um, and it's not logical. And that, that bothers me because I'm a very like, again, like very logical. Determined. Um, it's, I, I do HR for my day job, not drinking cause you're not allowed to apparently, but, um, one of the things, like, we have poppers at work to celebrate things. And when I got there, this was just part of the culture. They did poppers, and I had to go tell the CEO, I'm like, as much as it's cool to have poppers, we have to go, hey, we're going to have poppers, because anybody who's ex-military or ex-agency and stuff, they sound like grenades and stuff going off when they, they, they explode. And I'm like, we have to tell them so that they can clear the area so they're not triggered by us doing that and you know 
it's it's an I call it an invisible trait. It is an, an invisible trait that you don't necessarily see on somebody, but you have to pay attention to. But that that is fascinating that um, he's mapped that because it it it's definitely no, it's true. Oh, that got very serious for a second. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's <laughs> no, but anybody who's been through anything traumatic, I strongly recommend it. I wish I'd had it. It really for me because logic is important. It helped me understand the logical process of why it happens. No, totally. Okay, will you, this is one of my favorite questions. So Jen has a happy ending fetish. Um, so it's maybe not a fetish, maybe that's not the right word. It's fine though, because <laughs> got a lot of uh, ginger whiskey now, so fetish it is. Um, she will look at, the, she got kind of traumatized by a book at one point in time where they killed this lead character. like. As you can see from the look on her face, if you're watching us on YouTube, she's heavily traumatized. So now every time she picks up a book, she looks to see if the character is still on the last page of the book. <laughs> she won't read it if the character is gone from the book because she's so traumatized. Would, um, do you require a happy ending? And, and there can be multiple answers to that question of what a happy ending is, depending on what kind of fiction you want to read. But um, do you need a happy ending to your books? When no. You no, I, in fact, most of them are like sad ones. Although your story reminds me, I'm totally going to do a spoiler because it's a really old book. And if you don't know, if you haven't read the book, you're not ever going to read it, right? So Last Mohicans, um, that book ends very differently than the movie. And so I saw the movie when it first came out. I was like 13 and I loved it so much. I wanted to read the book. So I got the book and I came out like sobbing. We <laughs> just absolutely <clears throat> that wrenching sobbing that book is the reason why mark twain started writing fiction he was like if this james fenimore cooper guy can write a book like last of the mohicans which logically makes zero sense it's sad at the end what happens but the whole plot of the book is ridiculous you're like okay so you can sneak into a fort it's a huge deal and then two days later you can leave with a dude singing at the top of his lungs and nobody shoots at you okay there's zero <laughs> logic happening in this story but it is the the ending of it is sad i did the same thing i watched the movie and then i went back and read the book and then i english degree so you learn all the background and mark twain is a contemporary of Cooper, <laughs> and he was like, if this Joker is popular, then I can be popular. And he wrote, you know, that's how we ended up with uh, Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn and all that's that. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I just, <laughs> the, the wrong people die. It was really traumatic to me. Okay. Well, good. Like my horror stories, because not a single one of them has a happy ending ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with not writing a happy ending. Um, some, I've, some of my mom has gotten after me. She's like, just don't write as everybody dies. I'm like, okay, mom. Um, but I'm also not don't opposed to for that book. Just <laughs> I, I'm also not opposed to flipping to the end. Like I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I'll flip to the end and There's see if too, they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. I've too many tragic books in my life. I want to read happy stories. I want everybody <laughs> to live. Well, I won't read a John Green novel. Well, Will you put a book down, Sarah? So this is another thing is Jen only recently has somehow acquired the skill set to put a book down when it's fucking terrible. Because I will, I'm done, done. I will not continue reading it. That's my gesture for my Kindle in case anybody was wondering what that gesture is. <laughs> because 
I do like paper books, but they, I don't have a library. They, I end up giving my paper books to other people to read if they're good books and stuff or donating them. But I have a lot on Kindle, but I won't, I, like, I'll get to a certain point and I'm like, I'm done. If it doesn't grab me, if I'm not enjoying it, or the writer does something just like throws me out of the story enough times, bad editing, like I can't do it. I will not persevere and finish the book. Will you finish the book? No, no. I give it usually three chapters. If it hasn't grabbed me and I don't care how it ends, then I don't bother. Yeah, I have zero problem putting a book down. Let it go. Like I, there's a lot of books in the world and I don't have a lot of time. So gotta, gotta be picky. What were you going to ask, Jen? I I finally learned that ability, but it took me a long time. I was like, well, (laughs) this person put a lot of time and effort into it. So I should give them my attention. And yeah. I'm also, yeah, I'm a rereader. So books I really love, I've read half a dozen times, maybe more. Like I will reread a book I love over and over again. Oh, what are you reading right now? Right now? Oh gosh, I can't remember the name. I just got it on Amazon. I'm totally blinking right now. Sorry. Will you um, read more than one book at a time? No, I usually just stick with one. I can't do it. If I do that, I, I literally, so I had this problem happen with watching a TV show recently, which was Vikings and the last kingdom. I think it is called on net. One of them's on Amazon. The other ones, is it last kingdom? Um, on Netflix, they're the same story, basically, right? They're about the Vikings invading England and Ireland and stuff. And so I'd watched them, like I'll, I binge watched them, and I was watching The Last Kingdom, is it The Last Kingdom? Last Kingdom. And I'm sitting there and I couldn't understand what was happening at all on the TV show because I'm like, wait. And then I kept looking and I'm like, Nope, nope, that was the other one. And I finally had to just stop thinking about what happened in the previous seasons because I was like, I don't understand what, okay, I'm just going to go with what's happening. Didn't we already do this? <laughs> Didn't we already invade this particular castle? I thought we already did this. And <laughs> I was like, that was Vikings. And I'm like, okay, but who are these? Okay, I don't care who these, I'm just going to sit here and watch this. <laughs> eat some popcorn because I don't understand anything that's happening. The same thing happens to me in books though is if I'm reading books especially if I'm reading same genre books like about paranormal romance or something. Too similar. Yeah. They're too similar and there's demons in one and vampires but is there wait wait, didn't she (laughs) okay. Like I thought the vampire got her. Yes. (laughs) How did that happen? Okay do you have any guilty pleasures in reading? Oh yeah romance novels. I, I did look up um, the book. Sorry, I just have to say. Um, Charlie Holmberg, I don't know if you've read any of her books. She like the paper magician, and she just had a new one come out that was one of the crime oh, books for October. So I got that one and just started it. But I really like the paper magician series. But yeah, um, Guilty Pleasure. I love Julie Garwood's um, historic romance novels. I've read them all many times. Only the historic ones. Um I've tried her modern ones. I don't care for them as much. And I've read them over and over and over and over. So if Jane Austen had taken all of the ridiculous detail out, you would have been on board with that. (laughs) But I wouldn't tell anybody except for you. Yeah. And everybody listening. (laughs) I don't normally tell people. Yeah. It's not recorded. So it's, it's done. (laughs) 
It's gone. <laughs> Do you listen to books on audio or, or just straight read? I used to. I don't anymore. Um, when I was in D.C. and had that hellacious commute every day, I would be listening to audiobooks. So that was really during the commute is when I would do it. But especially now, working from home, I'm not. So this topic came up. I'm going to jump in and then you can ask your question. I actually got interviewed for my day job for an article because Microsoft Teams is coming out with a, some new program where it's supposed to get you set up to start your day in a way to unwind from your day. And they asked me to comment, and I was like, who the hell would want to be anywhere near a computer more than they have to be already? Because we're all in a position where even if we had computers and we had to use them, we're now, this is our entire world. Because even having meetings, we're in the computer. We're doing, I say this on a Zoom. But um, one of the things I started recommending for our employees is go walking and go listen to the audiobooks that you used to listen to or the podcasts you used to listen to. So if a podcast an hour, wake up in the morning, go for a walk for an hour and listen to your podcast or listen to an hour of your book and do the same thing in the evening. So you can have still that time outside of the house away from the computer to, you know, de-stress or get yeah. energized for your day. Yeah, that's because a good idea. Yeah, we, I, it, it was easy because Jen had a, a, a commute. I had a commute listening to, um, I actually re-listened to a lot of my own podcasts because I drink a lot in these and I don't know what I say. So it's good <laughs> to go back just in case I'm ever, you know, called on it. Um, <laughs> but I was like, this is something I think is important for us all to do to not get up and just go right to the computer almost and then be on the computer and a lot of our as writers and stuff, this is our world anyway. Like we're on the computer again. So have a time where you get up, mask on or off, depending on where you're walking and go for a walk and take that time for yourself that you took for yourself normally on a commute just because you had to do it. That yeah. is Erica's drunk advice for the day. Go ahead, Jen. That's really good advice. We, um, unfortunately, I live in Seattle area and um it started raining last night and it's probably not going to stop until may <laughs> so <laughs> i had to figure out a different way than walking but maybe see i know, can like... go outside in seattle and be fine <laughs> the, oh jen it's is too... allergic to sunlight as well mm -hmm. just for the record jen is actually a vampire with none of the bonuses None of the bonuses. She's allergic to sunlight, so Seattle would be her thing. But I think getting a cute pair of galoshes and a nice... Uh, right. It didn't bother me growing up here. Like, I was used to it. And then I moved away, and I spent a lot of time in the desert and um, other places. And now coming back, and I'm like, it rains all the time. So what People are like, Seattle's so beautiful. And I'm like, kind of like England. England's very beautiful, except when it's raining. 70% of the time. <laughs> I have a friend that lives up in um, uh, near Leeds and beautiful old 1800s farmhouse that they, because they have historic buildings there, you know, and he's redoing the whole farmhouse and he sends pictures and I'm like, that is really pretty. And he goes, yeah, only come between these months because otherwise yeah. you're going to be stuck in our farmhouse in the rain. Yeah. Your family in Florida. I'm like, just come in August. Don't even bother any other month. Just stick with August. Yes, so true. So, yeah, I was going to say, how has COVID affected your writing? Oh, um, so in emergency management, um, 
I, most of what I'm doing right now is COVID. So I haven't been writing a book lately um, because I've been editing the one I just submitted um, and I'll be working on the proposal, but like I'm writing about coronavirus every day. Um, so I've written a few articles um, about like how to be prepared and like, you know, things to consider um, in the middle of coronavirus. So I'm still writing about, I'm still writing. It's just writing about it instead of something else. But that is also like my area of expertise. So that's the bulk of what I'm doing. So you get to write about what we're all experiencing. Well, I have to do it for my job. And so it's kind of hard to make myself do it in my free time as well. But, um, you know, I think it's important information. So, um, and it's something I know well. So I, I've just like picked a couple times again with like the restriction on time. So like, I'll give myself like, okay, I'm going to do it like Saturday morning, like this podcast, right? Like I'm going to have like two hours and those are the two hours I have to get it done. And if I don't get it done, then I don't get it done. So it helps to give myself those kind of deadlines. No, that's true. I think a lot of authors that we've talked to as much as we all thought, you know, in our, I can say dystopian view of how it would be if we were all confined to our house and we'd get so much more writing done and we'd be like these epic authors that, and that doesn't happen. No, well, there's so much else going on, like kids not in school and trying to do like homeschooling while also trying to work from home. And then like the book has come out. So like doing podcasts and stuff like that, you know, it's all, it's really just about fitting stuff in when you can. So it's, what do you feel like as an author are your, um, uh, little things that you do? Like, obviously I change the names of characters in books. This is my new thing that I apparently do. I didn't do it previously. Previously, everybody realized things, but I've graduated from people realizing things to changing the names of characters throughout my book. What do you consider your little like, you know, bad habits or stuff as a writer? Um, so I don't decide what the chapters are until I've written it. So I'll write it all as one long document and then I'll go back and divide it into chapters and then fill out the chapter. So that's probably a little weird. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Have you ever heard that, Jen? No, that's cool. No, don't get ideas. That's not necessarily (laughs) cool. Well, I mean, I think when you're writing, it helps to be like, okay, I'm going to write chapter one today and, um, and just do that. But I, I found for me, like, when I'm writing to an end point, like you're writing to a close of a chapter. And I think, whereas if I write it as like a single narrative and then go back in and decide where the natural ending is, I think it often works better. Oh, it's a very interesting concept. And also I could see like, cause you're telling the whole story and you're not stopping and starting again. And I think it depends on whether or not you are jumping from POV, from point of view to point of view. I think sometimes chopping up a chapter helps with like if you're going from like the lead a person's character to their love interest and they go back and forth like there's you know like Sherilyn Kenyon every chapter is the opposite person's point of view on what's happening it would be hard to write that fluidly but I could see if it's the same POV the whole entire time right yeah and instead of aiming for the end of the scene or the end of the chapter you're aiming for the end of the book so it makes it almost easier to keep going. That's a good motivational tool, technique. 
I like that. As Jen changes her writing techniques. After <laughs> I, don't, I don't write chapters, I write scenes. So my chapters are uneven. They're never the same length. And I know for some people that's a big issue. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, one thing I realized was, so I'm listening to Haunting of Hill House because another um, person that is uh, works with us and is in our, um, does podcast sometimes, her name's Vanessa, and she's like, I want to do scary books. She apparently doesn't read scary books, but she's like, I'm going to read scary books. And so she wanted to do The Haunting of Hill House. And I said, okay, I'll listen to it with you. Um, and uh, I started listening to it and I realized that most horror books do not have chapter names. Did you know they just go chapter one to, I didn't know that. Like I never noticed it, I should say. What? It would ruin it. I if you titled a horror, it would be like in the kitchen, in the attic, under the bed, like it would ruin what's going to happen that chapter. I wouldn't say the monster's under the quilt. Like you don't say that. No, but it's still part of what makes horror work is that you don't know what's going to happen. So if you title your chapters, then we know what's going to happen. Fine. Whatever. Logic. Use logic. <laughs> I'm just saying I realized this. Admitting a realization, Jen. It's good. That's not helpful. Okay. So we're coming to the close of our literary briefs episode. Now that Jen just fought with me on that. and changed <laughs> uh, Whatever. Whatever. Okay. So um, your next book is being um, reviewed by the CIA as we speak. Something that no other author we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> it's okay. And it's... Uh, Tell us a little bit about it. So it's a, without giving away anything the CIA says you can't talk about, it, but it's a female spy novel with a lead, um, well, female nice spy. Okay, words. Female so I, lead yes. spy novel. What can you say about it? <laughs> so the, the setting is in the Middle East. It's on a forward operating base. It alternates POV between the female spy and, um, the male um, special ops character. Um, there may or may not be a love interest. Um, and there has to be. There has to be. <laughs> and um, they have to stop an attack before, um, before it's too late. Very cool. I'm super excited whenever the CIA releases that and we know when it's going to be published. But people can find that out by looking you up and following you on... My website, um, I am at www.sarahmcarlson.com. The M is important because my name's super common. Um, and you can get my current book right now. It's out. It's called In the Dark of War. Very cool. And it's available on all of the sites and Amazon. You guys can always follow her on Amazon as well. And then that way you know when all of her new stuff is coming <laughs> Amazon or Goodreads, any of that. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have been absolutely delightful. I have learned many things today. Jen, you feel educated today? Definitely. This is really cool. Very cool. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me on. This is fun. Absolutely. Okay, so this has been Drinking with Authors, Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Gary Lucas. Yeah, I'm Piquette. And we will see you next time.